Well, let's have a chat at our great guest this morning. First of all, Stuart Orcroft, who's uh, an Asian fund management industry consultant and, and, as I said, my go-to man on funds. And Barry Wood, who's my go-to man on economics. He's the RTHK International Economics Correspondent, and he's in Washington. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Richard, and welcome back. Thank you. And uh, you too. Yes, indeed. Good morning. Uh, it's nice to be wanted. Uh, anyway, uh, I've got to ask Stuart this first because um, it surprised me. February was a bad month for the Hong Kong market, down 13%, especially at the time when we all thought that we might get some revenge spending from COVID, you know, opening of the borders, that sort of thing. Have you got any ideas why? <laughs> I wish I knew everything uh, on, on this, Richard. You know, part of the problem, I guess, is that um, after the market reached its bottom at the end of October last year, uh, it, it, it came up very sharply in uh, November, December, January, and we saw a very strong rise in the market, and people were making a lot of money. So February was a natural opportunity for a lot of people just to take profits. And they did. Um, remember that at the end of January, we had an early Chinese New Year, and so a lot of people had got out of the market before that. But uh, throughout February, there was a lot of profit-taking. And all the good news that we were seeing in the pr prior three months seemed to evaporate. Um, and, and, and clearly what we also saw during that time period was um, a bit of a slump in, in a number of the uh, mainland China stocks listed on the Hong Kong exchange. Uh, bear in mind, you know, for example, that the Hang Seng Index is now more than 70% representative of China stocks rather than uh, pure Hong Kong stocks. So it, it's very likely that uh, any, any movement from China will more greatly affect the Hang Seng Index than, than um, would be the case if it were Hong Kong stocks that were doing the Yes, yeah, China had a bit of a so-so month with Shanghai Composite um, pretty well flat. Um, it, it does seem to be what you're saying. I mean, the, Hong Kong was up 19% in January, down 13% in February. So there's obviously a lot of uh, volatility in there. And also it's quite well known that these seasonal factors can, can have quite a difference. And Chinese New Year very often uh, is one of those times where we do see those seasonal factors come in. Yes, it is. Um, you know, Chinese New Year is a, is a very quiet time uh, for people there on holiday throughout our, our region. Um, and it's a, it's a long holiday. It's over one week for most people. And so that just stopped activity, frankly. Um, but coming back in February, as uh, February uh, was the start of the new year, um, Many people just took a negative view, I think, in the market and uh, started selling, and the, and the selling carried on throughout the month. There were little opportunities uh, uh, um, uh, and, and some positive uh, movements sometimes in the mornings, but then they all petered out in the afternoons, and, and that seemed to be the pattern of the month, frankly. Yes, well, I mean, maybe other markets might go down, but it might make Hong Kong a little bit more resilient, perhaps, uh, uh, as we go further into the... I think the, Hong uh, Kong's a little bit ahead of some of the other markets. But, um, uh, and, you know, I think one of the things that I found particularly interesting yesterday, for example, um, we had the announcement of the masks being removed. So what, what do we see? We see um, um, a local cosmetics manufacturer shares. 
bounce upwards very sharply um, because of the view that no masks means more makeup. <laughs> well, that I is super. I, 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 I know in my case, I, I think I'll certainly need those. Maybe some wrinkle, wrinkle cream might you'll, be helpful. You'll, you'll use the makeup, will you? That's right. Well, Barry, I can hear you chuckling into the background. Of course, you haven't been wearing masks for uh, for years. But I think there's, there's actually a, a, a more serious point here is that it looks as if economies aren't really very much in sync. You know, we've got Hong Kong down a lot. We've got Europe surprisingly up. Uh, we've got the U- US maybe uh, treading water a little bit. It looks like global economies aren't really moving um, in lockstep at the moment. Well, that's true. No doubt about it. Look, I think um, if I could just start by commending Stuart, let's look at the United Kingdom. Isn't it extraordinary that the London Stock Exchange is at a record high? That is amazing. Five years after Brexit and all of the pessimism that we've talked so much about. So, indeed, Richard, that's one counterfactual. I mean, it is a good time to be investing in Europe, I guess particularly in Britain, but not so in the United States. I do have one idea to throw out about the United States market because it had a very good January after a disastrous uh, 2022. Let's not forget that that was the worst stock market performance in the United States in 14 years. A true bear market, really. But I think the investment community got ahead of itself. They thought that economic growth was going to slow. Therefore, the Federal Reserve would have to pause and that the interest rate rise, the cycle that we're in, would be obfuscated sometime early this year. Well, it hasn't happened. Mm. And I think that explains some of the sell-off we've had in February. Yeah. And I think, Barry, you know, you and I have talked on this program over the last year or two about how interest rates have been flat. And then now in the last six or nine months, we've been talking about how the Fed will increase rates. I still am of the view that many market commentators are underestimating how high the Fed will raise interest rates in the U.S., It may only be at 25 basis points a time, but I still think that there's probably quite a lot more upside in interest rates in the U.S. than the market is giving credit for. And that, uh, as it happens, will start to impinge on... Uh, on the markets themselves. You must think this is, this is the case, uh, Stuart and Barry. I mean, for instance, France yesterday announced inflation 7.2%, Spain 6.1%. These are the highest inflation rates since those countries came into the Eurozone, indeed since the Eurozone was, was, was created. We really are in a situation where inflation's pretty high with a lot of hopes that it's going to go down to 2%. Yeah, this is true, but, but I mean, the causes of inflation need to be looked at as well. And, and certainly, I mean, I'm not going to take credit, Barry, by the way, for the strong performance of the UK. Well, market. I know that was a little <laughs> bit indirect, but I... You I didn't mention that the pound was as weak as... About you. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> I thought I, I would. Stuart's yeah, been selling the pound, to, obviously. To, to that, I have to say, but... Um, But I do do think, you know, one of the the issues, certainly the UK market has benefited from the weak pound. The weak pound has, uh, has, uh, you know, 
caused the uh, very high number of exporters, because that's what the UK stock market is made up of, uh, to benefit quite considerably. Um, but, of course, we also know, uh, and this is applicable throughout Europe, that the uh, Russia-Ukraine war has really restricted how things will develop in the European markets, mainly through the very high price of oil and, uh, and attempts to try to uh, cap off Russia's influence uh, across the market. And I think this is where we're going to see uh, uh, there's, a, there's, a there's a positive underlying here, because if oil prices can come down at some point, for whatever reason, then there is a very real opportunity that the markets could go ahead very sharply. Yeah, I would add to that, if, if I may, that um, all of the pessimism in 2022 when the Ukraine war started about Europe, which seemed at the first three to four months of the year absolutely justified. Natural gas prices skyrocketed up five, six times. Yep. Well, yep. they've all retreated. They're, they're down to pre-Ukraine war prices. So all of the pessimism on Europe in terms of COVID, in terms of inflation, in terms of the war and its impact, it's not as bad as had been feared. And I think that explains a lot of why Europe has been doing better than anyone expected. But I think and I would just add in terms of Hong Kong, look, yes, Stuart, your prices on the exchange there are all related to these Chinese equities. But at the same time, you've got a currency that is linked to the United States dollar and interest rates that are determined by the Federal Reserve. So that's a factor, too, that I, I would guess must have something to do with the decline in February. Yes, I agree with you. Um, now, uh, gents, I think the market has a tendency to really focus on one narrative at a time. Maybe it's just got a sort of very uh, small mind. And we have been focusing on, uh, oh, well, maybe inflation is coming down. OK, people are ignoring the fact that it's coming down from double digits to uh, a lower figure. But at the same time, we've got all these counter uh, arguments going against it. We've got inflation, we've got interest rates. What's the debate there? People have thought they haven't really been going up. We've had actually reasonable amounts of growth. You know, we're pretty well looking at trend growth. So the markets are saying, well, you know, if you've got trend growth, that's fine. Earnings haven't been too bad. And the consumer's been relatively buoyant. Now, if you put all of those together, like the four legs of a table, where do you think we're actually going to be going? I mean, which is the narrative that's going to be coming through, say, in the next three months? Well, unfortunately, I think that the problem is that we're in an era um, where volatility will be more extreme than we've seen for a long time. And so, yes, we're going to see upward markets. Yes, we're going to see downward markets. And it's, it's the... Or oh, indeed, they might go flat. <laughs> well, uh, but if you're sitting, if you were sitting on the first of January, looking at the market going forward, you would probably see a relatively flat movement by the end of this year. But during the course of the year, I think we could see quite a lot of upside movement, quite a lot of downside movement, and then 
we have to overlook the fact that uh, we've got geopolitical tensions out there which can also impact markets. I mean, we're not talking just about Russia, Ukraine. We're talking about China and the United States. We're talking about uh, oil prices and uh, all of these uh, and inflation. Uh, and So all of these have impact on the market and if they all come together and all, all come out as a positive, then we could see the markets roar ahead. But, of course, each one of them could actually um, cause damage to the market on the downside. Well, that, that's right. Very often we have very sharp downsides, uh, yet on the upside the markets climb a wall of worry. I mean, I have to say, Barry, I think the inflation is too high. I think it's going to be tough to get down. So interest rates have to go higher for longer. How much is this going to impact the real economy, Main Street, people in their homes with higher costs, maybe losing jobs? Isn't that good? Well, you're already seeing it in the used car market. Uh, you know, they, prices soared last year, but they've come down. So, Richard, I think the trend is down. That, that's the important thing. I know both you and Stuart are of the view that U.S. interest rates are going to go higher than many expect. And I don't disagree with that. But I would say that the inflation trend line is clearly down. It's not going to get to 2%, but it might get to 3% sometime in 2024. I think uh, growth is probably going to be better in the United States than the 0.9% that is being predicted. And in Europe, uh, it's probably going to be better than the 1% expected. Let's not forget, with China coming back on stream globally, if you're an optimist and if some of the dreadful scenarios that Stuart outlined do not come to pass, we could get a kind of boom as things move towards normality. Is there danger that we're all hoping China's going to come back on stream, you know, that the, and there's, there's pretty confident the government is going to want to stimulate the economy post-COVID. But we haven't seen this flood of money coming in yet, which is something that certainly I was expecting earlier in the year. Yeah, there is an underlying um, wall where that money is being stored at the moment. Um, I, I, let me just take the example of uh, in Hong Kong. If I took mutual fund sales as, as just a proxy for the market, mutual fund sales in uh, 2022 were at $42 billion U.S., $46 billion, sorry, U.S. But that was down over 50% from the figure that in, in 2021. That said, a very large proportion of that money um, was into um, uh, managed or equity funds. But nevertheless, bank deposit rates, uh, or numbers, I should say, rose very sharply. There is still a very large... Um, wall of money that is just being held on deposits of banks and ready to be invested, but without the confidence of investors to place that money into the market. So I think that that is what we are looking at. That's for the Hong Kong market. Barry, I'm sure, would have a fairly similar story for the U.S. market. Well, maybe the well, story... Well, that's true. Yeah, carry on, Barry. I, I, I do agree with everything you just said, uh, Stuart. But just look at uh, the lack of foreign direct investment going into China from the United States. That's a down number. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of money on the sidelines that would like to come in. But you've got those geopolitical elements that you mentioned. 
And so you've got a kind of war in the United States between the business community on the one hand and the politicians, Democrats and Republicans agree, that be tough on China on the other. I don't think the result of that is going to be known for several months. Mm. Well, gentlemen, thanks very much for that, and we appreciate your conversation. That's Stuart Allcroft, our usual Wednesday guest. Uh, he's a consultant in the Asian fund management industry, and Barry Wood uh, is the RTHK International Economics Correspondent.